UMass unfortunately falls in the Frozen Fenway game, 4-2 to to BC. Uh, pretty unfortunate ending to this game, but we have all the details for you about just an incredible day at Fenway. Let's go. Everybody and welcome to episode 65 of High Character. Frozen Fenway has come and gone. UMass lost to BC four to two, and what ended up being a really tough game. Uh, kind of some some referee stuff near the end. We didn't totally like, but um, they just didn't play well enough to get the win. They lost four two at Fenway. My name is Cameron, and I'm joined by my good buddy Evan. Evan, how's it going, man? Ah, I. I don't know how to feel anymore. It, it This was a tough game. I don't know. I mean, the experience as a whole of Frozen Fenway, it was a blast. You know what I mean? It was cool. It was definitely nice to say that I could finally catch a hockey game at Fenway Park. It's freezing the whole time. I couldn't even feel my toes by the end of the game. So it made, I don't know if that was poor planning on my part or just the weather overall, but uh, good to be back home and nice and warm again for us to get this episode out. Yeah, it is. And uh, the experience of the, the spectacle that is playing a hockey game outdoors, playing it at Fenway Park, was certainly awesome. If you guys didn't see on, on social media, Evan and I were lucky enough to get media credentials for this game. So um, we did a lot of cool things on the field and the press box and stuff like that. Um, two YouTube videos are coming about about our time there. Um, one's on my personal channel. It should be out now if you guys want to check it out. That's more like ballpark, uh, like baseball related stuff. Um, and then very shortly, we'll have a high character um, special video coming out about um, the UMass hockey kind of centered. So um, that, make sure to check out the experience there. A lot of cool stuff from the entire day. But um, from everything we heard, it seems like the team really enjoyed their time at Fenway. Regardless of the outcome, the boys showed up with uh, UMass baseball jerseys on, which is pretty cool. And uh, yeah, I guess it's just cool for them to be able to say they got to play on the field at Fenway in an outdoor game. Yeah, no, I mean, it's just, like you said, it's a massive spectacle. You know, it's one of those really, really cool types of games that uh, the boys will probably, you know, enjoy the fact that they played regardless of the outcome. I think it's just a wicked cool experience, kind of like Belfast. You know, we've had a couple of really, really cool uh, different venues that the that the boys have played at this year, you know, and I think we've definitely benefited from it because we've been able to go to some pretty cool places as well to follow the team. It's been, it's been a really, really cool season in that regard. Yeah, and then outside of the, the spectacle that it was, um, hockey game related, UMass finally got back Ryan Ufko and Kenny Connors. They were both at World Juniors. And, I mean, just the eye test alone, it was clearly very beneficial having those two guys back on the ice for this game. Yeah, they were huge. You know, Ufko, you know, we saw what he was able to do for Team USA. You know, I think he managed to get himself like nine or ten points across like seven or so games, more than point per game as a – third pairing D-man for an international team is quite the uh, amount of points that you can gather for that tournament. So that was wicked cool. And Kenny Connors, I think, chipped in with a couple of goals during his time as well. So they were both off some pretty solid uh, international performances. And you could kind of tell they were excited to get back for the team. You know what I mean? Like UMass is the team that they, that they fully rep at the end of the day. So for them to come back home and, you know, the maroon and white was definitely a cool thing to see. We definitely could have used their presence, you know, especially in the earlier games that they ended up missing. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess, uh, I guess we'll just jump right into this game. 
Um, just off the bat, Evan and I, uh, we were talking right before we started recording. Um, kind of kind of a weird situation with the game being at Fenway, our seats being so far away. Um, we had seats in the upper deck that you could still see the action and see the puck, but it's just it was pretty hard to stay engaged with the game the whole time. So we're not um we don't I don't think have as in-depth um thoughts and um like memories of this game like we would for a normal game at Mullins or elsewhere in hockey East. so um just keeping that in mind as we go through we have all the replays and stuff though so um should be able to um to give some good insight on it and as we jump in BC immediately uh gets on the board makes it one nothing two and a half minutes in Cutter Gautier uh the guy that um, was at world juniors for BC he's back. Uh, he's their main goal scorer and they basically just get a two on two into the UMass zone. Um, and Gautier doesn't pass it. He snipes one home, makes it one, nothing. Yeah. Just a preface before we talk about the goal. Um, I'm, I'm assuming there's probably a couple of people that are listening in right now saying, well, if you got media credentials, why weren't you just in the press box the whole time? <laughs> I was of the opinion that we should get the full frozen Fenway experience and freeze our asses off outside because we paid for the tickets. We figured might as well get our money's worth. You know what I mean? And enjoy the full, you know, non-luxury experience. So just throwing that out there. If anybody's sitting there saying you guys got media credentials, how are you freezing? Or why didn't you get a good view of the game? That's why we were out there with everybody else enjoying his fans. So we didn't want to take advantage of the credentials too, too much, but um, yeah, talking about the goal, um, it was a snipe, you know, it's, it's as simple as that. Um, Cutter's kind of just gliding into the zone on a two on two Bollinger's trying to step up and play D and literally millimeters before Bollinger stick and kind of break up the play. It was a lightning quick release. And I mean, first shot of the game, I think it was going low glove side. It looked like, and have just kind of missed it. It was a damn good shot at the end of the day, but I mean, I, I think everybody can kind of agree it was one that maybe Pav would want back, especially it being so early on in the game. Like, that's probably the worst sort of momentum that you could kind of lose. Um, really, really tough way to start out the game and uh, kind of had to claw our way back into it pretty quickly. It was, yeah. And uh, UMass uh, bounced back pretty well. Um, a few minutes later, 9.30 in the period, we see UMass get a, a two-on-two, could maybe a th- uh, three-on-two. And Michael Cameron just uses his speed that he's been flashing all season, gets ahead of everybody, takes a pass from Cole O'Hara, and he does one little simple uh, backhand move, gets it past the goalie to tie the game at one. Yeah, that's something I've noticed a lot out of Michael Cameron this season is his off-puck movement. You know, he's very dangerous even when he doesn't have the puck on his stick. Um, He can kind of find the soft spots and kind of open up the play a little bit more for Cole O'Hara to make some nasty passes he's been doing recently. Same thing with – um, honestly, just a lot of his teammates. I was going to mention Tyson Dick because I think he's been out there with him a little bit as well, but he just really, really is good at feeding off of his teammates and their energy. So he basically split the D and was in all alone and just flicked it backhand over uh, Mitchell Benson, I think his name was. So yeah, it was a, another, you know, it was, a, it was a really solid goal and we kind of got back into it a little bit with that goal. But uh, as we'll talk about in a little bit, um, wasn't, wasn't meant to last for, for a while. So that was really unfortunate, but it was a good way to claw ourselves back into the game. Yeah, and that goal for UMass on the power play, some an area that they've been so good at this season. And yeah, you mentioned it, BC bounced back right away. Just three minutes later, they have a power play of their own, and we see Cam Burke tip one home. Um, kind of a kind of a pass from the face-off dot into the slot. He just tips it in a nice little redirection. Not much you could do about that goal. Makes it uh makes it two one. Yeah, I mean, it was on the penalty kill. I think, you know, I think they ended up going, they being BC, I think they ended up going two for three on the power play this game. So, I mean, 
our special teams wasn't really firing on full, you know, to their, to their fullest, um, especially on the penalty kill really kind of sucked. I mean, it's a really unfortunate goal because, you know, this is another case of like Bollinger's kind of in front of the net and he's kind of torn in between like, should he play the shooter or should he play the guy out in front? Because I don't know. I mean, I'm looking at, I think it's Kennedy or Kennedy O'Connor here. He's kind of just covering the net front, but he's not really marking anybody in particular. He's kind of just in a zone area. So it's kind of tough for him to be behind the guy that I think eventually tips the puck out in front and he's not really in the best position to make a play on the puck. So Bollinger's kind of stuck covering two guys at the same time. And you, you really, it's just a case of you're already down a man and you can't be everywhere at once. So, I mean, this wasn't the worst goal of all time to give up, especially because it was on the penalty kill, but I feel like, you know, we were already playing a little bit poor, you know, to start the game. So this was kind of a, uh, a real swift kick to the nuts, if you will, to kind of keep us down. You know what I mean? It was, it was kind of a, a tough overall situation for us here. Yeah. And for what it's worth, it was a, a really good pass from the face off that to kind of thread the needle to get that puck in the slot. Yeah. So um, probably could have done better, but you're on the, the penalty kill and it was a really well-placed pass. So um, that made it two one BC and that's how it stayed at the end of the first period. BC uh, like a, like a lot of periods this season, won the shot totals. 12 to seven in this period did seem like they had most of the momentum of this period. And as we move on to the second, um, they kind of increased that the, in the second, they took a lot more shots than UMass did. Um, it didn't convert on the goal sheet until about 13 minutes in, we see uh, Scott Morrow. He's behind the net, tries to clear a puck out and it hits the ref uh, drops right down off the ref onto the stick of a, a BC player who passes it to the slot. Um, and Cam Burke nets his second of the game, makes it 3-1. Yeah, I mean, that's – it's a tough one. I really can't blame Scotty too much on this. Like, it was kind of a suspect clearance in the grand scheme of things. Like, you can rim that around the boards. You know what I mean? Like, Tyson Dick was right there along the boards. He could have just backskated and snagged it. It's it's kind of tough to do that in the moment. You know, the puck was kind of bouncing around a little bit. He couldn't play it cleanly. But, yeah, I mean, really unfortunate. And Kenny Connors is trying to cover the guy at the top of the faceoff dot there. And that just kind of leaves the middle to low slot wide open. I think, uh, can't tell who that, uh, that was McDermott that was trying to cover the low slot there and he ended up missing his guy. So again, just the, the puck luck on, on this particular play was just super unfortunate. I don't really know how much I can really blame any, any particular individual on this one. Not that I'm looking to give blame, but just trying to objectively talk about the goal, but, um, yeah, I mean, it really sucks to go down two goals here because we were kind of getting dominated this period. They were out shooting the hell out of us and just simple zone time. They were, you know, just getting a lot more possession. It felt like we really weren't doing a whole lot in our offensive zone. So we we kind of, I don't want to use a Carvey quote here, but we did kind of get what we deserved here. You know, like we were getting just completely outmatched for the most part in this period. And then we finally had to pay for it 13 minutes into it. You know, just, just sucked to see. Yeah, Pav was really getting peppered at this point. BC won the shot totals for this period 16 to 8. Over the first two periods, the shot totals 28 to 15 in yeah. favor of BC. So they were really just peppering the net. And they were they were good, solid, uh, high percentage looks too. So um, definitely something that needs to need some improvement going forward for UMass. As we go to the third, 3-1, um, just a couple minutes in, three minutes in, UMass is on the power play. And... Ufko finally back finds himself uh, right at the blue line 
and he not a piss missile he risked one in uh but it was pretty heat seeking found uh found a nice hole and he sniped one for to make it three two yeah, there's that. I'm going to coin the term. I think it was twine-seeking missile, I think we're calling the Elfco yep. wristers. I'm going to start having a, a term for everything that Elfco does. I pray he stays here one more season now so I can get more of those punchlines in there. That'd be really cool. But, um, yeah, no, it was another amazing play by Elfco. There's a lot of traffic out in front. I think it was Lebster and Connors out in front to kind of try and screen the goalie as much as possible. And, yeah, it was just a nice clean shot right into the, I think it was blocker side, far post. Um. Really, really solid goal there on the power play. Um, we had a lot of power play chances in this game. I think we had six in total. We converted on two of them, which it's not the worst. You know, I mean, 33% on your power play is not bad whatsoever. That's really, really good clip to be converting at. But it's just knowing that they had two goals on three power plays and we had two on six, like, it, it really does suck to see because, I mean, I don't like to say that we like to blame the refs a whole lot. You know, but this time we, the calls did kind of go in our favor. They were tripping like you wouldn't believe. Like BC really loved their tripping calls. I think a lot of their penalties. I'm not looking at it right now, but I'm I'm willing to bet that a good majority of them were tripping calls. And I think there were even more that could have been you know, like that weren't even called that should have been. So they were getting their sticks where they did not belong at all. But yeah, we claw it back to three two here on the power play. And I was really thinking, you know, we th this is the start. You know, like we could come back here because we looked pretty decent. You know, at least at the start of this period. Yeah, and uh, this was only three minutes in, so UMass had a lot of time to get that equalizer too. And at least in my opinion, this was the best they played in the entire game was this third period. Uh, they looked pretty good. They they won the shot advantage. So I really felt like that goal might be coming at some point. And then uh, things got really tricky. Just a couple minutes left in this game. Uh, we see Ryan Ufko. You, you hated to see this. Uh, he gets hit with a knee-on-knee -knee hit that really should have been a penalty. Um, and he went down, really struggled to get back to the bench. And before the whistle was even blown um, to call this play dead, we see a BC player go up high on Aaron Bollinger. Um, two, two things that um, seeing it in real time and seeing the replays of it, we really thought we were going to get um, a penalty called and quite possibly even a major. So um, UMass challenges the hit up high to Bollinger. Um, knowing full well that they did challenge the first BC goal of the game and they lost. So um, if this uh, challenge didn't go their way, they would get called for a delay of game penalty and it was nothing was called. So UMass got uh, called for the delay of game. Um, and that was with minute and a half left in the game. So they go to the penalty kill. BC ends up getting the empty netter um, and just kind of a real chaotic turn of events in the last couple minutes to, to make UMass lose four to two. Yeah, I don't want to harp on this too much, but I am very disappointed in that non-major call. Um, you know, Bollinger is, you know, 5'9", shorter guy. It's probably easier to catch his head if you're a taller individual than him. Like, I get that, but there's no excuse for just completely driving through, basically. I'm pretty sure the initial point of contact was somewhere around, like, the like lower neck area, but he drove through towards the head on the follow-through. Like, you you can't let that happen. Like, Bollinger's literally helicoptering in midair. <laughs> Like as a, as a result of that hit, I'm pretty sure he landed on his stomach after doing damn near a backflip after getting hit. Like I've seen, and we were talking about this during the game, like we've seen much more tame hits get called for five minutes over the, just over the course of the season, not even watching other teams games, just watching UMass games, like almost exclusively. Mm -hmm. So that was super, you know, disappointing to see because we were thinking at the bare minimum, you give them maybe two, for you know a suspect hit even if it's not a five minute major like i'm not 100 sure 
if you can even give two for, you know, a suspect hit like that, usually it's a five or nothing, but you know, you're thinking we pull the goalie and we get the five minute major. We're cooking on a six on four. We might be able to make something happen to tie the game back up. And then for it to go from, Hey, we might be up two men here. If we pull the goalie to now we're going to be even strength with the goalie pulled. Like that, that really is not the best way to end the game whatsoever. And obviously it bites us in the ass when they get the empty netter to end the game. So yeah, that was super unfortunate to see because I really thought we were playing some decent hockey in that third period. It sucked that we kind of went off to such a poor start in the first and second period that it was kind of too little too late going into the third. But yeah, that that really did tick me off in real time and after the fact, just knowing that that penalty wasn't called. Yeah, and we don't want to brush over it to that hit on Ufco, the knee on knee. Yeah. Both of us definitely think that should have been a call too. Um, we, we were in the press conference after the game, Coach a Carvel came in with Ryan Ufko um, who assured the press that uh, he was okay. Um, it wasn't that serious, but um, definitely another, another call that could have been made that would have changed the course of this game for sure. Definitely. Definitely. All right. So yeah, that is, that is the final four to two BC takes this frozen Fenway game. Um, UMass, I don't, I don't know if it's a storyline at this point is just really struggles to beat BC particularly over the last couple of years. I don't know if that's anything you want to talk about, but it's definitely been noticeable. Yeah. I mean, I'm not really, I haven't done the research on it, you know, but just judging by the eye test and just recent memory. Yeah. BC has been a really tough team to play against. I mean, they've looked like a decent enough team so far this season. You know, it, it just seems like in general, like, I mean, I'm going to be referring to more this season when I say this comment, but just hockey East play has been very poor for us. You know, not, I'm even, not even sure if this game actually counted for hockey East points. That was kind of a weird thing before the game that people were discussing. I don't think we ever came to a clear answer on whether this is for points or not. It's but, not. It's okay. Not. So yeah, there we go. Thank you for the correction. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, BC in general has been a, has been a pretty tough outing, even though if you guys check our, I think it's our Instagram when we do our 10 questions, my favorite game was against BC a couple of years ago where we got that OT win, or just before what would have been an OT winner, but ended up being with two seconds left in the third period, mm-hmm. Jake McLaughlin gets himself a game winner, which was really cool. And I'm not even sure I have no stats to back this up, but that might've been our last win against BC. I don't, I genuinely don't remember. I just remember we collapsed against them last season when it came to winning the regular season uh, hockey's title and that didn't work out for us at all. So yeah, they've been a tough outing. I mean, obviously, Jerry York was going to be Jerry York, you know, for the past, you know, six or seven years that we've been following this team. And now it's, I forget their current coach's name, Greg Brown or something like that. I might be pulling that out of my ass. But yeah, their they're, they're new uh, coach is kind of right in the ship and doing their thing as well. So yeah, they've been a super tough outing as of recent. And I'm really hoping we can turn that around because I hate BC with a burning passion and I want them to know what it's like to get dominated by UMass once again. That'd be a really, really good feeling. Yeah, absolutely. Is there anything uh, else specific to this game that you wanted to touch on before we jump into our award? Only one thing, and that is Cutter. I'm going to – we've been completely mispronouncing his name the whole time. I think it's like Gauthier, but Gauthier, whatever the hell it is, that guy, he had nine shots this game. He had probably the biggest green light I have seen out of a single player in quite a while. Um I normally don't look at shot totals per player, but I remember him taking a ton of shots throughout this game and Mm -hmm. seeing that it was actually nine. He actually decreased his shot totals as the game went on. He had four in the first period, three in the second, two in the third. I can remember like three or four, like mid slot, almost uncovered opportunities that he had and Pav completely robbed him. So I think the scoreline could have been much worse. Um, When you have a fifth overall pick, 
who's already in double digit goals this season. Um, and you're just giving him open space to shoot the puck. That's super dangerous. It's a miracle that he only made us pay once for it. Um, I thought that was super concerning. You know, I yeah. feel like if, if that's going to be the guy that's going to be on your scouting report as like, holy shit, like make sure we cover this guy because he's dangerous, especially when we had two of our players play on his team and in the, in the world juniors, mm-hmm. you, you would figure we would know, hey, we should try and mark this guy and make sure that he doesn't get any clean looks as much as humanly possible. So, yeah, I mean, regardless of, you know, where the shots came from, his ability to shoot from anywhere is going to be something dangerous. So the fact that we let him get nine through and he probably had way more attempts than that. And luckily we blocked at least a few of them. That's a really, really big point of concern for me that I'm hoping we can clean up, especially against future opponents. Yeah. And there was some question going into this game, if he would play or not yeah. um, in this game. And he did. And it was pretty impressive to watch. One other thing uh, we could talk about it now, because he's not going to be getting any awards. Um, Josh Nodler, he, he won our good try UMass award last game, just because uh, he really didn't show up in the faceoff dot. And he didn't do it for a second straight game. The numbers um, trying to pull him up right now were really bad. One, one win and nine losses. Um, that's just really bad. Uh, it's two games in a row uh, of being like that. And we did some, some digging on his faceoff numbers for the season. Uh, this is very uncharacteristic of his totals so far this season. So I'm not sure if something's up, if something's bugging him, but um, he just needs to, needs to perform a little bit better in that faceoff dot. Yeah, I mean, he's been basically a plus 500 face-off guy for almost every game this season. I want to say I did the math before and I forget it. I think this was his fifth game where he's been under 500. In the past two games, he's been combined for, let me do the quick math here. Uh, he is five for 24. So that's slightly under 20% if I'm doing my mental math correctly. Um, that's disappointing, especially when, you know, it kind of seemed like he was meant to be like, you know, first line center type guy. And that's what he's been playing as this season. If you're going up against the, the, you know, the other team's first line, they're best of the best. You know, if we're trying to play, you know, really solid possession hockey um, that I think that we're meant to be playing because I was kind of thinking of our roster composition earlier. And again, I can make a whole separate episode about this. So I'm not going to go into it now, but, um, but the style of hockey that we type that we try and play, in my opinion, I think possession is a huge need and faceoffs are really important. And on the whole for the season, he's been very, very good in the faceoff dot, but recently he has been, for lack of a better word, atrocious. Like those are very poor. I could probably put up those numbers. Like, and I don't even, I, I genuinely have not played a game of organized hockey in my life. All right. Maybe I couldn't do that, but you get the idea. Those are very poor numbers for a D one hockey player. So hoping he can clean that up because when he's on his, you know, when he's in form in the faceoff dot, the whole team kind of gets a boost from it. And I'm hoping that he can, uh, write the ship pretty soon in that in that category yeah and we hope and think that this is just a blip on the radar and that he'll, certainly he'll snap out of this all right let's jump into our awards so the first award that we like to give out is the ccc award carvel's character and compete award uh and we got to give it to ryan upco for this game he is finally back from world juniors and he really made his presence felt uh defensively offensively obviously he had the nice uh snipe of a goal so it's very, very nice to have him back uh, to a defense that was um, kind of lacking lately. So to see him back, to have his presence, uh, really good impact to this team. Yeah, he's, he's been that guy. I mean, we've, we've said it much more recently. He has been the best defenseman on the team. Um, very, very solid offensively. I mean, he hadn't had a shot until the third period, and then he ends up getting three shots, and one of them goes in. Um, 
he's been really, really great on the power play and even defensively. You know, I think he's cleaned up his, his defensive game quite a bit. He had a very shaky start to the season, but now he's really starting to hit his stride. And he's, you know, we kind of had our, our concerns early on in the season, like what, like, what are we going to see at Ofco this season? And he has made leaps and bounds since then. And we kind of saw that in this game, you know, he played very, very solid. And this is also considering the fact that he has played three games of hockey in the past week. <laughs> you know, he has been, he, he was probably tired as hell after this. You know what I mean? Like he basically came back, he played Wednesday and Thursday. I'm assuming Thursday night or Friday morning, he flew back to Boston. He had one day to rest and then he's playing on, on, you know, on Saturday, like that is nuts to me. So for him to put in that sort of, you know, Iron Man type performance where, you know, he just has the, the stamina of a literal robot was, was unbelievable to me. And for him to put up a goal, especially, you know, considering all that is very, very cool to see. Yeah. And we are absolutely praying he's fine after that knee yeah. on knee hit, which looked really bad in real time, but uh, yeah. Good job, Ryan Ufko. Um, looked really good out there. All right, so the next award that we like to give out is Good Try UMass Award, uh, a player that we think can can play a little bit better the next time out there. Pickens were a little bit slim for this game. Um, we didn't want it to give it to Josh Nodler again just because we, we gave it to him last game for the face-off stuff. So um, kind of tough to choose here. We decided on uh, Elliot McDermott. He just seemed like he's caught watch, watching the puck a couple times. Um, his plus minus was in the negative. So, um, like I said, kind of tough to find single out one guy, but, but he's the guy that we chose for this one. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a tough one. I think there was a couple of names that we were bouncing around and we kind of had to settle on one of them. Nobody was like particularly horrendous to where like, we got to single them out immediately or, you know, like, again, not like we're trying to do this maliciously at all, but yeah, it, it was a tough one. I mean, I just remember through the eye test, you know, the first and second period, he was getting pushed off the puck a little easily some clearances were messed up a couple turnovers you know it was simple things that weren't like you know absolutely like game enders but they they added up over time I feel like a couple other players might have had you know costing mistakes that might have directly correlated into goals but just kind of you know I feel like they had a couple of decent enough moments to kind of offset that McDermott just I don't know he just wasn't really all there it seemed like you know like he, he wasn't playing horrendously bad but he was not amazing either so we had to give it to anybody. We gave it to him, but it, this is, this is one of those like diet, you know, like awards, basically like it's, we're not, we're not that, that hard pressed to give it to him. So it's a tough situation. Yeah. Just tough to, to find one person in particular for this one. All right. So let's jump into our customer awards. Now, do you want to, you want to go first? Yeah, I'll lead off, you know, we're, we're going to start doing some baseball terms. So I'll say that we'll lead I'll lead off with this. I one. like it. Yeah, um, so I'm going to go with the Green Monster Award. So the Green Monster, as we all know, I'm assuming that most of us here are Red Sox fans, besides Cameron, you absolute weirdo. Um, <laughs> had to call you out for that. Um, you know, the Green Monster, massive wall, you know, likes to block things. You know, a bunch of baseballs tend to hit off of it, especially when they don't have the height to get out of the park. And that was kind of what Aaron Bollinger was, you know, like three block shots was by far the most on the team. I'm pretty sure nobody else on the team had more than one. We only had nine block shots in total, at least from what I'm seeing on the box score, which really isn't a lot to be fair. That's actually a little bit concerning. It always seems like teams tend to have a lot more block shots than just nine. Maybe it's just due to like them being credited versus uncredited. You know, there's probably a whole slew of stuff that goes into that, but Bollinger was leading that category by a fair margin. Um, that's kind of just been the way that he that he plays this season. I feel like this award's kind of indicative of him as a whole. He's a very, very solid shot blocker. He 
is just simply not afraid to put his body on the line to try and stop pucks from going towards the net. So very commendable by him. And um, yeah, I think, I think this is probably the best way to, to give him a little bit of recognition in that department. You know, he tends to always be in front of the puck sometimes for better, sometimes for worse, you know, he'll screen the goalie at times that I've noticed, which can be a little bit unfortunate, but when he does, you know, kind of corral the puck into his body, it's definitely a, a, a good thing for us. So that happened a lot this game and we just wanted to recognize him for that. Yeah, for sure. Good job, Aaron Bollinger. And I like the uh, Green Monster reference. The award I am going to give is called the Ricky Henderson Award. Uh, if you don't know, Ricky Henderson is probably the most prolific speed guy in Major League history. He did play a season for the Red Sox, so it kind of fits in here. Um, and just because of that speed, I'm going to give this award to Michael Cameron. He, uh, he's been flashing his speed all season. And he used it in this game to kind of get ahead of the pack and score the first goal for UMass. So we really like what we see from, from Michael Cameron showing that speed. Yeah, no, he's a fast dude. I absolutely love watching him play. You know, he just, like I, like I was kind of talking about before on the, on the goal that he scored for us this game, you know, he's very, very good at kind of utilizing the space that he's given and he can close gaps super quickly with his speed just because like mainly he's a smaller dude on the ice. So he just, you know, if you're not going to be big and strong and massive like that, you got to at least be quick and by God, is he quick? So yeah, it's really, really cool. You know, it, it adds a really solid dynamic to any line that we throw him on. Cause we were absolutely tossing him around like a rag doll when it came to the lines that he was playing on, like earlier on in the season, he never really had like one line that he fit in. Like he was the extra skater for a while and he would kind of just bounce around in between lines and he was able to kind of acclimate himself to whatever role he really needed to play because his speed was just so helpful. So yeah, that's definitely a huge part of his game, and it's really helped us. Yeah, absolutely. And a uh, little side note, if you're a, a baseball fan at all, go check out Ricky Henderson's baseball reference page. That is it's nuts. I'm looking at it right now. So, uh, yeah, good job, Michael Cameron, flashing in your speed. All right, so that is basically everything we had to say about um, UMass's game in Frozen Fenway. Like I mentioned before, definitely check out the two YouTube videos we're putting together for this. Um, worked hard on those and it was really cool to get the the behind the scenes look as well so um, any any parting thoughts for you on the the experience as a whole yeah I mean it was it, it was a very very cool experience if I can be a little bit more candid and just be a little bit more honest I probably wouldn't do it again if I'm being completely honest with myself I was freezing out there it was tough um just like the overall like the sight lines weren't bad because like we could see everything from our you know from our seats but you couldn't really see it too well like I don't think I have bad eyes by any means, but like hockey, I feel like is a game that can be pre appreciated the closer you are to the ice, you know, like baseball is like, you really only got one thing to see and you got plenty of time to figure out where that ball is going. Mm -hmm. Hockey's quick. You know, you got to be able to kind of dart your eyes around and figure out what's going on. And I don't know, I might just be really bad at, at seeing this type of stuff, but I was having difficulties tracking the puck and just figuring out what was going on during the game. So I don't know. I mean, like I said, loved it, you know, in the moment, it was great to say that I did it. Would I do it again? I mean, I'm obviously going to go if UMass is playing, there's no doubt about that, but would I see a neutral game, you know, in, in that sort of context? Probably not, you know, that's just not for me, but I still loved it. Happy to say that I did it and uh, curious to see what you thought, Cam. Yeah, I, I loved it. Um, obviously I, I did the winter classic before, so I, I had seen it, but just for us to get the um, the press passes and be able to get on the field and get close to the team. We got some, some awesome videos out of it and stuff like that. Um, seeing the press box, all that stuff as a, as a huge baseball fan that I am, it was absolutely incredible for me. Um, I, I said it multiple times throughout the day. 
Uh, this is one of the coolest experiences of my life. And I'm not exaggerating about that. It really was. Um, and then to cap it off with seeing a UMass hockey game on top of it, just a really awesome day. Obviously, we wish the outcome could have been a little bit better. It would have been yeah, an absolutely perfect day. But um, yeah. I, I love the experience. And I um, really, really feel fortunate to where we've gotten to be able to do cool stuff like that. And it, it's thanks to everybody listening right now. So for thank real. you guys. Thank you guys very much for your support of us. This is what it's doing for us. And um, it makes us very happy. Trust me. Yeah. Huge appreciation. You know, I feel like we do this at least once a month at this rate, just because that's just how thankful we are. But yeah, no, you guys have been awesome with all the support you've been giving us, you know, just listening, liking our socials and stuff like that. It's been huge. So thanks again. You know, it was a really awesome experience and couldn't have done it without you guys. It sounds really cliche, but that's the truth. Yeah, it, it really is. So um, if you're, if you're still listening again, thank you very much. Uh, yeah, that's about all we got. Go UMass. Wow. That was an abrupt ending. So go <laughs> UMass. I'll try and lengthen this a little bit better to give you guys a proper outro and take care everybody. Mm-hmm.